against the power and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is... Let's just pray. We thank you for your words. And we pray, Lord, now these words written many years ago, but written under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, written to churches then, but written to churches now, that you would speak to us and that we would hear your word and that we would respond to it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a tricky passage. I've been pondering it all week and last night as I normally do last thing on a Saturday night I always reread my message that I've prepared and this little voice said that is absolute rubbish Phil you should start all over again at which point I just thought Lord you know what I'm planning to say from this passage And I know that that is the enemy speaking to me, and I trust you. You may know this, or you may not know this, but you are in a spiritual battle. God has an enemy who opposes all that is good and all that is right, and seeks to be an underminer, a deceiver, a destroyer. And he particularly likes to target Christians because people who are not Christians, he's quite happy where they are because they're not with God. And so Paul, when he writes this letter, and he's covered so much ground, and and I am sometimes just in awe of the the scope of Paul's thinking. He he begins this letter with that, that great song of praise, He's writing from prison. He's probably chained to a Roman soldier in prison. Or there's some one of them standing nearby. And he has encouraged us with the truth that we sit with Christ in the heavenly realms. That we are loved by God. He's talked about the gospel which is personal salvation but also a cosmic salvation. That Jesus is coming to bring a new heaven and a new earth. That all things will be made new. That everything will be put right. That all evil will be done away with. He's prayed for the church. That they be strengthened in their inner being, that they may know the love of Christ. He's talked about practical things of instructions for living a life worthy of the calling of Christ. Turning from the old life, living a new life in Christ. He's talked practically about relationships, all sorts of relationships. Husbands and wives, employers and employees. About mutual submission. 
about respecting one another. Building one another up. And finally, he speaks about the spiritual battle, the struggle against the enemy. Unseen spiritual forces, and it's a call to stand. Notice as we read it, you would have heard that that word stand come across quite forcibly. Stand against the devil's schemes. He's already mentioned in this letter the devil twice. In chapter 2, he says, you were once dead in your sins. Outside of Christ, following the ways of the world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's how he describes the devil, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. In chapter 4, he said, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the enemy a foothold in your life. And so he comes to this final ending of his letter as he writes it be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power stand against the devil's schemes we struggle we wrestle that word struggle is kind of a wrestling against the enemy so put on the armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you can stand so when we find faith hard when it's hard to live as a Christian when we're going through the struggles in our lives be aware that there's a larger picture going on a larger scenario playing out when we find it hard to forgive people or love people or we struggle to pray or read the Bible or we find it hard to resist temptation that is part of the struggle that is part of the battle There's no bibliography of the devil or biography here. No account of his origin and of the forces of darkness that he mentions. He, he kind of assumes that this is a bit of common ground. You will know if you've read through the scriptures, the Old Testament and the New, that the devil, devil was a created being, an angelic being, a beautiful angel. Morning star he is called in the Old Testament. The Latin for that is Lucifer who rebelled against God, was thrown out of heaven, hurled to the earth. He is the source of all evil in our world, all the brokenness in our world. And from the very beginning, he has sought to lead mankind astray. There in the Garden of Eden, the temptation. We get a clearer picture of him in the New Testament. There's the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. He opposes God's plan to to create a new humanity. And the devil and all his cohorts, the principalities and powers, will do their utmost to destroy, to sow sin and lies, deceit, discord, division, persecution, deception. And Paul writes... As believers, stand. We don't have to defeat the devil. What a relief. He's already defeated. Jesus has won the victory. He's a defeated foe. We don't even have to claim territory from him because the entire world, the whole of creation belongs to Jesus. But we do need to make a stand. Stand against the devil's schemes for that remaining time until Jesus comes again. 
and evil is destroyed forever. So Paul writes, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. No, we're not to underestimate our enemy in any way. He describes them as, as the devil, with, as rulers and powers and authorities, spiritual forces of evil that stand against all that is good and all that is God's, hates the truth, deals in lies, hates the light, deals in darkness. He has no moral principle, he is cunning, he is scheming. Paul actually in, in Acts, when he, he leaves the church in Ephesus, he says, be warned, there will be wolves who come in to destroy the flock. There will be a battle. The devil can, uh, although he's a wolf, he can disguise himself as a sheep. Although he is himself dark, he can masquerade as an angel of light. But he is no match for the power of God in Christ Jesus. No match. But finally, be strong, he says, in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Be strengthened by God. And when the day of evil comes, we don't know quite what that means. It may be a time of struggle. It may be a a time of hardship. It may be a particular time of onslaught. If you talk to someone who's in prison in Iran, they may say we are experiencing that day of evil now. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. But it may even be what you're going through right now. There is a time of difficulty. Each one of us have different things that we face. And as Paul writes this letter from that prison, he might even be looking at a Roman soldier. I've got a little... Illustration that may help us. We'll keep it on uh, for the the rest of the time, Sarah. And he's writing and, and he's taken inspiration from what he sees. It's almost that perfect illustration for what he wants to say. He says, put on the armor of God. And the first thing I really want to emphasize is that we must remember that this is more about the divine than the outfit. Sometimes when we talk about the armor of God, we, we get so uh, kind of consumed with, the, 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 you know, oh, the, the outfit. Whereas we need to know what Paul is actually saying through this illustration. Yes, there's a belt, there's a breastplate, there's boots, there's a shield, there's a helmet and a sword. But what he's talking about is truth. He's talking about righteousness. He's talking about the good news. He's talking about faith and salvation and the word of God. These are the armor. These things are the armor of God. So the truth, represented in his illustration as this belt, ancient writers would have often referred to a soldier's belt as their source of strength, kind of holds everything together, their tunic, their sword. And the first thing he wants to say about about the armor of God and about our spiritual weapons is that the truth is fundamental. It holds it all together. The gospel is true. It is not a lie. It is not a deception. It is the very truth of God on which we can stand. Jesus himself said, I am the truth, the way 
and the life. If it isn't true, if Jesus isn't who he says he is, then we give it all up. It's not worth it. But Paul says, when you take that stand against the enemy's schemes in your life, in that struggle that you're in, firstly, take that belt of truth. It is true. Never give up on the sheer truth of the gospel. It is like that belt that holds everything in place. That's why the enemy goes after it so clearly. From the very beginning, when he encounters Adam and Eve, what does he go after? He goes after the truth. What has God really said? No, he hasn't, has he? That's what temptations are all about. He twists and he lies and he deceives. To the point we say, well, what is truth? A famous Roman procurator said that. What is truth? Pilate, what is truth? When he encountered Jesus or others who may say, well, what's true for you isn't true for me. Because there's, there's so many truths, aren't there? No. Paul says there is the truth. And he's Jesus. Jesus deals in truth. The enemy deals in lies. In fact, Jesus called him the father of lies. And he deals in lies to blow us off course. God doesn't love you anymore. It's a lie. God isn't with you anymore. It's a lie. Doesn't, God doesn't care about your situation. It's a lie. And we hold on to the truth. Because if we give up on the truth, then fundamentally we open ourselves up to all the lies that the enemy may sow. Don't be blown off course. Hold on to the truth. May that be your first weapon, first part of the armor. The second is Righteousness. There's a quote from Isaiah verse 17 talking about God and it says he put on righteousness as a breastplate. Whether Paul has that in mind as he he brings this second part of the armor of God. God is putting the whole world right. He is. We may sometimes despair as we look upon the world and all that's happening and all the brokenness and the suffering and the pain. But God is putting it all right. There will be justice. Evil will be completely defeated and destroyed. The enemy has been defeated through the cross. We are made right with God through Christ Jesus. Jesus is our righteousness. In one of the uh, books that I was reading this week and noted upon this, ancient soldiers, most fatalities uh, came from fleeing armies because they turned their backs on the enemy and they had nothing to defend them on the back. Is that why Paul says righteousness must be a breastplate? It covers your heart. The devil loves to attack the heart, our emotions. But we know that we're saved by Jesus. He's our righteousness. That sin, its power and its penalty has been destroyed. And one day its presence will be gone. We have been made right with God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Thirdly, 
Feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Again, from Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. There's kind of two images here about, about the sort of the boots in terms of this armor that we're given. The knowledge of the gospel gives us peace to stand. To stand firm. It's a firm foothold, a firm footing. We will not be moved. The enemy wants to knock us off our feet. We will not be moved. Here we stand. But we're also, there's this other element of of that we are messengers of the good news. We are equipped to take the good news of peace to the world. Elsewhere in the New Testament, we're encouraged to run the race marked out for us. We are equipped to make a stand, to run for Christ and not to fall. Take up the shield of faith. Our trust, our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our loyalty is to him above all other claims. And that shield of faith, that standing in faith, will protect us. From the flaming arrows of the evil one. A Rome consisted of two layers of wood glued together, covered with linen and leather, to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, because one of those ancient weapons was arrows that had been dipped in something and lit and then shot. Flaming arrows. And they would be extinguished by faith. Flaming arrows of doubt, despair, temptation. The circumstances we find ourselves in that the enemy says, how can this be? It's as if Paul is saying faith starves those things. Quenches discouragement and temptation of the oxygen they need to wreck our lives. And these shields in the Roman army, they would use together at times. Yes, they're for individual protection to be able to stand, but they would be used together. They would link together and they would be so strong together that even people could walk on them. There would be an impregnable shell of protection around a cohort of soldiers There's something in that that Paul's mentioned in this letter that as a church that he writes to, when you stand together, you'll be stronger. On your own, you can get picked off. Who will we trust? Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, God himself is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So faith believes the promises of God. Faith believes the promises of God when we can't see them. In times of difficulty. The helmet of salvation. Again, the enemy loves to attack our minds. Create doubt and fear. Are we really saved? 
are we really loved by God? And Paul would say, yes, yes, yes. Read the letter again. We are saved by Jesus. And this knowledge of salvation keeps us from losing our heads. Knowing we belong to the Savior Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are saved because of Jesus. Not because of our performance. Some people have actually said to me over the years, I've lost my faith. And and I think, really? Do you not believe that Jesus is the Son of God anymore? No, I believe that. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sin? Yeah, I believe that. You haven't lost your faith. You may have lost touch with God in your personal walk, yet maybe you may have experienced difficulties where you feel that God is removed, but you, because of your faith in Christ, are saved. You haven't lost your faith. God hasn't lost you. You are going through tough times. And God is for you and with you. Because our salvation is not based on what we do, how good we are, but on what God has already done for us. The enemy loves to undermine that. Nothing can diminish the cross of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus, who conquered the grave. It is by his grace that we are saved. And finally, The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's one of the weapons in the armory that can be clearly used in defense and offense. Whether it's describing that that very short sword, it would be used in close quarters, hand-to-hand combat. The sword of the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit within us. The enemy has no authority over us, no power over us. We belong to Christ and we have his spirit within us. Some people have said the sword of the spirit is the Bible. Well, the Bible hadn't been finished when Paul wrote this. He's not saying it's the book. He's saying it's the spirit of God and the word of God. Yes, that we now have preserved for us in this book. And that's why we need to read it. Because when we read it, we know it's truth. And when we know it's truth, we can stand against the devil's lies. Stand against the temptations. Remember Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. Satan even said, I mean the arrogance of Satan to say to Jesus, well if you just bow down to me, I'll give you everything. All of the kingdoms of the world. And what does Jesus say? He refers to the scripture. You shall worship the Lord your God and only him. When the enemy comes against us, we need to be able to recall the truth. We don't wave a book at him. But we say this is what the book tells us. This is what is true. And whether you have to say, devil get behind me, Satan get behind me. Or whether you just make that stand. I'm not believing your lies. I'm not believing your deceit. I know that this one thing will pass. I know that I'm held in the love of God. 
know that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. It's the Holy Spirit who inspired the word of God. We can actually rebuke the enemy, his lies, and all he seeks to sow. So Paul, finally, and he'll go on to talk about prayer, and we'll cover that next week. But he urges the Ephesian believers, the church that the letter will be read out to, and as we have it now, to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Keep on being strengthened. Maybe here today you've come and you just need to be strengthened by God. You're feeling weak. Don't give up. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Don't believe his lies. Be clothed with the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes... When that time of struggle comes, and we don't know what that means, but Paul anticipates there will be a day of struggle. Stand. Stand. Stand firm then. Through that letter, he has talked about we're being seated with Christ. Because we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. He's called us to walk in a way worthy of the gospel of Jesus. And now he calls us to make a stand. Be strengthened. In the midst of our struggles. In the midst of that battle that the enemy wages. Know that we are victorious in Christ. And we have all the armor that we need to stand. And to be overcomers. Amen. I'm going to ask the band to come back. We're going to worship together. This response. And maybe there will be opportunity if you'd like to receive prayer this morning from the prayer team. Um, there will be space just in, uh, to my right. If you'd like to make your way there through our worship time. Or maybe you just need to be still or quiet. But to make the most of this time as we respond to God in worship.